0: Jesus was walking through some cornfields on the Sabbath. His disciples began to pick the ears of corn, rub them in their hands and eat the grain. Some Pharisees asked, Why are you doing what our law says you cannot do on the Sabbath? Jesus answered them, haven't you read that what David did when he and his men were hungry? He went into the house of God, took the bread, offered to God, ate it, and gave it also to his men. Yet it is against our law for anyone except the priests to eat that bread. 5 and Jesus concluded, "The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath." On the a Sabbath, Jesus went into a synagogue, synagogue, and taught a man. And taught a man was there whose right hand was paralyzed. Some teachers of the law and some Pharisees wanted a reason to accuse Jesus of doing wrong. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew their thoughts and said to the man, Stand up and come here to the front. The man got up and stood there. Then Jesus so said to him, I ask you, what does our Lord allow us to do on the Sabbath? To help or to harm? To save a man's life or destroy it? He looked around at them all. Then he said to the man, "Stretch out your hand. He did so, and his hand became well again. They were filled with rage and began to discuss among themselves what they could do to Jesus. Good girl. Well, well, well.
1: Thank you, Hannah. That was great reading. Uh, thank you for for reading that amazing amazing passage uh, for us this morning. So as we as we move now into um, Dave Dave preaching for us, um, I just wanted just to, before we before he dives into uh, telling us all about uh, that passage in Luke, I just wanted to just take a couple of moments just to have a little Q and A with him. So so Dave, are you are you there? <laughs> I'm here, Mark. Great, you haven't left us, that's, that makes me feel better. <laughs> <So> <laughs> um, good to be here with you this morning. That's great, thank you. And Dave, yeah, well, so, I mean, um, tell tell those, those of us who weren't here when you were part of Alton, you know, what you've done since then. <laughs> or what... uh, so for many of you, uh, I'm seeing many faces that are familiar to us, um, which is a joy to see you all uh, this morning. Uh, so Rachel and I were at Alton between 2002 and 2013, um,
0: do they do it privately? And, uh, we
1: came fresh from university and settled in one of the life uh, home groups with you there and um, uh, I kind of felt a call into ministry while I was with you and explored that and then moved from Alton at the end of my training at Regents in Oxford uh, to Northfield from southeast Birmingham to southwest Birmingham. So, having said to God, We're prepared to go wherever you want to send us, he said, Just a few miles down the road in the same city, please. Uh, um, we're like, What? Okay, uh, lovely. <laughs> so we were there until 2018, um, and uh, quite unexpectedly, really, we felt God calling us back to the northeast which is where Rachel and I met and we weren't expecting to ever return up to the northeast but uh, it's been a, a joy to be back up here um, and uh, it's been a kind of a whistle stop tour really the last couple of years since we've moved back to the northeast but God has been doing some great stuff here and I know that God has been doing some great stuff down there in Alton um, since we left as well. I keep, we keep in touch with a few folks down there and it's good to hear what's going on. So yeah, it's wonderful to be back with you this morning and to see so many faces that are familiar to us. So uh, thank you for uh, yeah, inviting us back and for us to be able to to spend the time of worship with you. Thanks, David. It's great to have you. And just you said you're up in the northeast. What, what are you doing up there? Um, so I'm minister of um, a Baptist church in Heaton, which is in Newcastle, mm-hmm. um, in the east side of the city. And, um, yeah, we've been here for two years and we have two children mm-hmm. which uh, who were... Are slightly older now than they were when we left you. Matthew is 12. I don't know if he is shy and off-screen. Uh, I can't see him from here just now. Uh, maybe he'll wave. Um, and Charlotte, who is 10 uh, now, and I can't believe that we are parents to a 12-year-old and a 10-year-old, but we'll move over that, I think. Um, yeah, they're both doing well, and Rachel is doing well as well. Having retrained, she was an actuary for, for most of our time with you, has retrained as an occupational therapist, so that's her field now. So yeah we're in the deepest darkest um uh, Newcastle at the moment which feels quite a long way from birmingham and i told i told our church last week that uh, that we were uh, that we were coming to birmingham that i was preaching in birmingham and i got a flurry of texts yesterday yeah. saying safe ju- safe travel safe journey and i am like, no no i'm sitting in the same chair as i would be <laughs> normally <laughs> i'm just dialing into a different zoom call so yeah oh. Great. Well, thank you, Dave. I'm glad you're able to uh, zoom down the wires to us here in um, in, in uh, Birmingham. So let me pray for you, a and then let's hear what you what you brought for us. Lord Jesus, I want to pray for Dave. I want to thank you for uh, his willingness to preach this morning. I want to thank you for his willingness to follow your calling through his life uh, as he chose uh, to to move into ministerial training and to lead churches in deepest, darkest Birmingham, and then up into up into the northeast. Lord, I want to thank you for his obedience. Uh, uh to the core of his life uh, and as he speaks this morning i ask you lord jesus that you would be speaking through him would you be using his words and would you be moving in each of our hearts to to convict us to bring us to repentance and to refresh and fill us amen 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 thank you mark so i don't know about you paul i think you've got the, the PowerPoint, haven't you that's Wonderful. Good man. I don't know about you, but everything I'm doing right now, I'm doing through the eyes of lockdown. I've, uh, I've found myself nervously looking at people when we kind of walk out in the parks or whatever to see whether they are two metres apart from us. Um, uh, I'm kind of going through the the mental gymnastics, if you like, of what to do when somebody walks down the same aisle as me getting bread and milk from the corner shop. You find yourself thinking, Uh, What do I need to do now? Do I need to dive into these uh, shelves to keep out of the way? I found myself inadvertently trying to social distance from the car. Uh, in front, when I was tra- driving a couple of weeks ago, I found myself thinking, well, I'm, I'm not sure if I, well, I was two metres away before you think I was tailgating somebody. But um, you kind of, I, I found everything is being shaped under the, the premises of what is happening in lockdown. Our brains have become trained to these strange times, haven't they? So forgive me if when I was reading this passage, which uh, Hannah read so beautifully to us uh, a moment ago, my mind immediately went to thinking, uh, I hope there weren't more than five of the disciples with Jesus when they were in uh, the field picking corn. Or was Jesus socially distanced from the man whose hand he healed? Were they wearing masks? Uh, lockdown has changed everything for our world. Who we can meet with, where we can go, what we can buy. Um, and for us as Christians, that's very real when we're gathering together, even on a Sunday. This time is forced us all to adapt and to rethink into a different way of being it's made us reevaluate why we do everything that we do which is precisely what jesus was doing with the pharisees in our reading this morning when he was challenged about why he was allowing corn to be picked and people to be healed on the sabbath his response was to get them to re-examine the meaning of sabbath because they had got totally lost about what it really was, what what it was to 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 understand the Sabbath, the concept of Sabbath. Um, Peter Scocciero, in his book The Emotionally Healthy Leader, suggests our next uh, suggests our default thinking of Sabbath is one of two things. And the first of those is to be legalistic, where Sabbath becomes another thing for our to-do list, where our mindset frames it. As a job, something to fit into our busy diary, a task to be completed. And while we might feel better for having done that, at least part of that is because it's a job that has been ticked off. It's something that we've been doing. And that's where the Pharisees were. Uh, um, Sabbath is there to be obeyed and to be completed, they said. The principle behind it had become lost in the legalism. So rather than it being a space dedicated to finding rest, and finding purpose and direction from God where they were refreshed and ready it had become a job to be completed in a particular way to seemingly gain favor with God to to seemingly follow uh, what it meant to to be with uh, God it was a ritual uh, and nothing more Uh, and if we're honest we can find that that is true of all aspects of our faith and not just Sabbath how many of us came to church this morning expecting to meet with god maybe how many of us came uh, uh expecting sunday morning to be a place where we met with god or how many of us came because that's just what we do on a sunday morning i think we can all be guilty of getting legalistic without realizing but because the pharisees are You and I, basically. The next slide, if we can. Is that Pete? Is is it David looking after it now? I'm not sure. I've lost track. But Scotsero says the alternative is just as bad. It is to say that we ignore it completely. We ignore it entirely because we find it irrelevant and unnecessary. We simply haven't got time to squeeze in time with God. Well, Sabbath is an Old Testament thing that, that isn't really relevant to me today. And we kind of find ourselves putting it in a box that we don't actually find helpful. We kind of block it out and think, well, I, I don't know how I'm going to squeeze that in. It's a bit close to home, I think. It's a bit close to home. We can find ourselves losing Sabbath entirely because our mindsets have been put in a box. You can get the next slide. That'd be great. Either it's a job to be done in an already busy diary or something that I don't really need we find ourselves thinking. And Jesus got angry with the Pharisees because they'd gone all legalistic without even realizing, "Excuse me Jesus," they said, "you can't do that because it contravenes clause 13b paragraph c of our constitutional rights. You can't go around picking corn, you can't go around healing on the Sabbath because actually these are things that we shouldn't be doing on this particular time." So Jesus' response is to shine a light on their failings by doing what he does best, by sharing stories. He shares stories with them to to reflect on their own lack of understanding of what is going on when they're shaping an understanding of the Sabbath has gone awry. So the first of those we hear um, is from 1 Samuel, chapter 21, when David on the run from King Saul takes consecrated bread from the local priest in order to feed his friends. Now, that story would have horrified anyone who understood the significance of it being consecrated for the priest. Which, of course, the Pharisees did. And the second story is Jesus very clearly, and with I can kind of imagine a glint in his eye as he was sharing this, healing the shriveled hand of a man in the synagogue. Two very practical Sabbath stories underlining the significance of recognizing Sabbath for what it really is. In the first, Jesus gives permission for his friends, like us, to eat and be nourished. And in the second, Jesus invites the man. Like us, to reach out to him and be restored. And in those two small moments, Jesus reveals the reality of what Sabbath truly is. Not simply an additional day in the calendar for us to stop work or not do the washing up or not to feel too bad about not mowing the lawn, maybe. It's not a diary item, a task to be completed or a set of rules to be obeyed or ignored as they see fit. Sabbath is a rhythm of life which begins with seeking God. When Jesus outlines these two scenarios to the Pharisees, he's pointing to a way of life that is, that is not just an afterthought. It's not just a way of uh, kind of doffing our cap uh, without actually paying due um, reverence to who God is. It's a way of being which brings with it continual nourishment, continual restoration. And in in the parallel passage in Mark's gospel in chapter two, Jesus says the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So have we understood it so badly that we've dismissed maybe the most crucial part of our Christian life. We're not bound to it or to be restricted by it. It's intended to free us. The American author Mandy Hale said, when you let go, something magical happens. You give God room to work. And when we think of trying to add something else into our diary, I don't know about you, but even the idea of that tires me out. When we look at the concept of Sabbath, of rest, of seeking God as an objective or a task to be completed, we've made it a structure rather than a rhythm. Jesus is pointing to the, the, the true Sabbath in this passage about it being a release from these things, finding rest. Where we need it finding restoration and release looking for and finding the still small voice of God in amongst the debris of our daily life even in church and sometimes actually especially in church finding God's hard finding God's voice can be hard because we trick ourselves into thinking that being busy or maybe even being on rotors helps us complete God's work how many of us are loving right now not being on a rotor? There was an Olympic sport in rotors. Church would win it every single time. Dallas Willard, in conversation with John Mark Comer in his brilliant book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, says, Hurry is the great enemy of our spiritual life. Hurry is the great enemy of our spiritual life. Amen to that. Amen to that. And it actually stops us encountering God. Earlier this year, my church, Heaton in Newcastle, uh, took the bold decision to stop before it got fashionable with lockdown. I hasten to add. Now, those of you um, who uh, those of you who remember how I work will know the irony of me standing in front of church calling for us to stop working, to stop being busy, and to rest. Is not lost on me, that is how I operate i 'm a busy person I like being I like feeling the sense of uh, being busy and being productive in that so for me to stand up in front of the church and say, we need to stop what we 're doing folks we need to stop being busy we need to stop uh, all the rotors we need to stop all of the things we're involved in was a hard thing to do. The irony of that was not lost on me, and we stopped pretty much everything in order to listen to God and to lay down. What we wanted to do in order to pray and to find that still small voice. I wonder if we could get that jump forward a couple of slides, Paul. We did it during Lent, which is an obvious time for us to reset, for us to, to spend that time. The time is there to, for us to examine and to listen and to draw closer to God. So we spent that time uh, stopping all of the rotors, stopping all of the things. We found that many people were weary and tired out, or had simply lost a sense of where God was speaking. People were on too many rotors and too involved in stuff. It was good stuff, but it wasn't healthy or sustainable. So we did. We stopped. And we called it Sabbath Lent. Although with lockdown, it kind of became Sabbath Lent plus, I guess. Um, the next one, please, Paul. We stopped our activities. We stripped back Sunday services so there were essentially no rotors at all. We laid down ministries. We used a daily devotional guide that I wrote specifically for us during Lent all with a view to finding a new sustainable God-led rhythm, starting with God and him giving us permission to be filled and rested. It was amazing. We are still working our way through it. It it was liberating, but it was also petrifying because we find ourselves, don't we, thinking, yeah, but what about this? What about that? What about this particular thing that I kind of need to hold on to because my identity is caught up in that? And then lockdown hit, And then actually all of those things have been stripped away anyway. We haven't got any of those things there anymore. We've got to rethink and reevaluate everything about what it means to to live, to be church, to gather together, to to be the gathered church. When we gathered around our own dining tables or living room tables or coffee tables or with a a computer on our laps or, or whatever it may be, what does the gathered church feel like now? And we found actually when lockdown hit, the devotional was one, uh, one of those things that we were all doing together as church. It was actually really humbling to see God using some of what we've been doing to draw us together through this strange season. And we, like all churches, are still working our way through the impact of what this season means. But this is our Sabbath story that God has been sharing with us. Now, whether we have stopped doing things intentionally or because we've been forced to, we know that we simply cannot go back to the intensity of life that was before Sabbath and before lockdown. I don't know how, uh, how much you've been pondering that, but the, the, the pressures of life that have been there now feel very different in this season. Some are feeling really quite rested. Some are feeling quite anxious. Some are feeling really quite stressed by work. Now, for church, whatever failing Zoom or YouTube or whichever platform our church uses on a Sunday, We've all been forced to reevaluate everything. Our rotas count for nothing. Our busyness, our legalism, our ignoring Sabbath entirely have moved us away from God. And unless we intentionally learn from this time and change how we live, whatever we're doing, whether at church or at work or at home, this is what will happen if we aren't intentional with this time. I'm petrified for, for us at uh, Heaton that uh, we'll just get back into the building and go, right, as you were, uh, and we'll just carry on with the same rhythm and same pressures and the same intensity. I'm, I'm sure for you, whatever work looks like for you at the moment uh, or whatever your home life looks like at the moment, you're, you're reflecting, thinking, I don't, I, I don't want to not learn what we need to learn from this season. In this strange time, God is teaching us all something new. About what it means to truly rest in him, what it means to start from a place of seeking him. And in the words of Jesus, he says, let he who has ears hear. Now, for those of you who are on the front line, this season will feel far from Sabbath-like. Serving and supporting ill, dying or bereaved families, working for far longer hours in far more stressful conditions, countless government policy changes, managing, furloughing and laying off of staff. While for others, you've been forced back to the very basics. If we could jump forward again, Paul a couple, that'd be great. Next one again, thank you. Lovely. You can't see loved ones anymore. You've been cooped up in home for the last few weeks and months. You've only just been allowed out, maybe, but with tight restrictions. There's no going out for dinner or even for a cheeky nando's all of our rhythms have been thrown up into the air and we're still trying to make sense of them. Whatever your story is. Now is the time for you to re-examine it too, to ask yourself if you've got God in at the end and you're going through the motions like the Pharisees are in this passage where they're challenging him, but they've lost sight of the purpose of this time of Sabbath at all, or whether you accept the permission that Jesus gives you to start from a place of seeking him. Jesus said the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. So when we start by seeking him, when we build in a way of being that begins with his peace and rest and space. That is where God restores us. Psalm 46 says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Mark Buchanan in his book, The Rest of God, invites us to seek the rest that God bestows and with it the part of himself that we can only know through stillness. True Sabbath, Jesus is pointing out to the Pharisees and to us maybe today, is about recentering ourselves on God. It is about letting go of our self importance and finding our purpose and rest in Him. And that being the starting point for everything else. Sabbath rest is a place from which we find joy and peace and restoration and life, rhythm and rest. It's a place which is meant to relieve pressure and offer us hope. I don't know how you are feeling today, whether you feel rested or whether you feel pressured. Just after Aslan comes back to life in The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe*, the first thing that he does is chase Susan and Lucy. The next one shows that picture beautifully. C.S. Lewis says, the funny thing was that when all three finally lay together panting in the sun, The girls no longer felt in the least bit tired or hungry or thirsty. They were rested. They were rested in God's presence and they were rooted in God's presence. So this morning, let me invite you to reflect a while on what your rhythm of life is. What is your Sabbath story? Is there one? Whatever your story is, let me invite you to carve out space and rest fun and things that you enjoy doing. Be intentional to spend time doing things that you love with people who energize you. Listen to his still small voice that we so often don't give space for. It is so important that that is where we start from. And from Jesus's perspective, as he, as he shares this very simple message to the Pharisees and to those who were watching, he points out to them the significance of starting with him where where life is filled and our lives are nourished where we are restored and refreshed made whole and complete when we reach out to Jesus in the same way that this man with a shriveled hand does and finally I wonder what Alton's sabbath story is what are you learning what is God teaching you about church life how do things need to look and feel different after lockdown? Let me encourage you to be bold. Let me encourage you to be ready to move wherever God says. And let me encourage you actually to not develop a plan. Fight the urge to do that. Don't put together a structure or a flow chart or a three-point sermon all beginning with the letter E. Stop and pray, rest, and listen, and just let God speak in and through that. One of my favourite verses at the moment is Isaiah chapter eight, verse ten. And it says this, devise a plan, it will fail. Make a prediction, it will not happen, for God is with us. And when we try too hard to work our way through and develop a plan that is what we feel is the right thing, or we try to do what we feel is the right thing, we maybe try too hard. And God watches on and says, I'm doing my thing. Do you want to join me or do you want to do your thing? Our invitation this morning for our own life and for our church life is to accept from him what it means to do things differently. And so as you reflect on your own Sabbath story and as you think about what this season is teaching you individually and as a church, let God lead you, let God nourish you and let God restore you. In your own spiritual journey, let him develop a new rhythm of rest and peace within you. Give him space to do that. I've blocked out time in my diary, which is protected, and I've limited my evening commitments. I'm trying to intentionally spend time with family in a way that I've found difficult to before. I am very much still a work in progress. I have not got this cracked. But I think we're on a journey. And I think we all are. So what is it that you can do to develop a Sabbath rhythm, which means everything starts with God, everything Starts with God, where your life begins from a place of being centered and rooted in God. And in your church journey, listen to Him. What needs to change moving forward? What rhythms need to look and feel different? How do you sustain church in a life giving way after lockdown? Maybe it's the time to let new ministries spring up, let God's spirit move as He breathes new life into new, different directions. Maybe it's time to let old ministries have run their course stop it's a rhythm which begins with jesus It's the only sustainable way of life for us so whatever your sabbath story is i pray that you will let god refresh and restore and maybe even resurrect your faith and i know that god will do incredible things in and through you because of it in a moment we're going to play a song Um, Just before we do that, um, let us just still our hearts and respond individually and maybe let the song speak to us as we uh, reflect and pray together too. Let me lead us in prayer before the song. Heavenly Father, we pray for your forgiveness when we have made our relationship with you something that is born out of duty rather than out of a desire to meet with you. Lord, forgive us when we have seen our time with you as something to do and a task to be ticked off rather than a relationship to be nourished and strengthened. Lord, for those of us who are tired and weary of this season, help us to find space and rest, to stop, to listen to you and to be restored. Almighty God, give us ears to hear what you are saying to us. Help us to learn what we need to from this season about our relationship with you. Help us to reimagine our life with you from a starting point of a rhythm of rest and listening to you. Give us courage to stop the things that distract us from you. And may our Sabbath story be one of life, your truth and your spirit's blessing.
0: Amen.